Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. NBL champion Sydney Kings, but I'm here with my good friend Mitchell Maurer. I am the former uh, editor in chief of Brew Hoop. He's the current, whatever your title is, editor in chief of Brew Hoop. Uh, it's something we, like that. We we go way back, and Mitchell, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I've seen the Milwaukee Bucks win an NBA championship. I'm not sure I have seen quite the kind of comeback and quite the kind of performance. As we saw tonight in Game 5, the Milwaukee Bucks go into Boston and win in TD Garden for the second time this series. They go down by as many as 14 in the fourth quarter, <laughs> i.e. the quarter where the Bucks have basically been dead and buried uh, the last few games. Even in the game they won at home, they almost blew it in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And instead, they are the team doing the you know Undertaker rising from the ashes and Giannis Adetokounmpo re-stamping his best player in the world passport, and the Milwaukee Bucks making three-pointers. Mitchell, isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy? They make their last six threes. They make nine of 13 to close the game. Giannis goes two for two from three in the fourth quarter. Bobby Portis with a massive tip in, and Drew Holiday with two more massive clutch defensive plays to add to his resume on top of a great overall game. I mean, I don't know where to, I mean, where do we go with this Mitchell? Like how, I mean, what was your mindset in this? Let's talk about just how we were processing this fourth quarter. I never turned it off. I still always hold out hope, but it was pretty bleak there. So I had going into this game, I honestly felt like it was possible. The Bucks might be able to win a second road game in a tough series but it wasn't likely. It just wasn't, right? The, the expectation was they go into Boston for game five. I'm sure that they'll do their best. They come back home for game six. They got that out. And then, you know, it's a best of seven for a reason. They go to game seven, which is, of course, back in Boston. That was probably the safe bet uh, going into this one. And, you know, watching through the first half and seeing them you know, jump out to an early lead and then Boston comes back and then they get ahead a little bit and Boston comes back and just like the, the constant push and pull, which has really been the story of the series is like no team really ever got ahead enough for their lead to be considered safe. Um, and then in the second half, like, you know, Boston just, they just got, they built their lead more and more and more and more. And so by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, I figured like, okay, like I didn't get my hopes up for a reason. I specifically went to my oldest, my oldest son. He's seven years old. I said, Ollie. Oliver, Ollie, the, the, the Bucks, I don't think they're going to win this one. I don't think they're going to do it. And so then it gets to be dinner time and I do dinner with my family. And so I, you know, I close the iPad and I've got my phone with me. Cause you know, I might try to be a family man, but I'm not a monster. I'm not going to completely turn off the game entirely. <laughs> And so I'm watching the score like, oh, they're down by six. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, they're down by 10 now. 
Okay. Well, that's just, you know, that's the yo-yo effect of a, of a game like that, where especially when the home team is favored, like they usually are able to figure out just enough to, to get it done, even when they're playing a good team. And that's what we were expecting. And then I see, like, oh, it just got cut to three. Like, you know, Giannis hit a three. Oh, he hit a second. Okay. <laughs> and then right after that, Drew Holiday hits a three. He's like, it's tied up. It, it's, there's less than a minute. I'll, I, I looked at my wife, Jennifer. We have to turn this on. I'm sorry. Um, and then just watching that last minute, the the, the chaos that the Bucks were able to find a way to just get that little tiny advantage at the very last second. And then Drew Holiday took over on defense for the last two possessions, the last two Boston possessions. And it was just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, do, do, you, do you want to take the listeners, the viewers through that sequence, that Drew Holiday yeah, sequence? Because, you know, normally I'm normally I'm not big on, you know, just sort of like giving the play by play again, because obviously we all kind of watched it for the most part. I don't think a lot of people are listening that, you know, just like, oh, I didn't catch the game. Right. Um, but when we can relive a game like that, I, I think I'm, I'm OK doing a little bit of just sort of box score recitation. And I mean, I, I think. Let's look at a little bit through the lens of Giannis, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Bucks had actually an early lead. They hit three threes very early. I think they were like three of five or something from three to start the game, which was like, whoa, what's this? Um, but that then dried up. I think they were four of 16 by halftime, but Giannis was just relentless. Giannis was attacking. Yep. And I think one of the interesting things about the last two games has been that it's felt like, a much smaller game. Rob Williams being out, I think has been advantage Celtics just because yes. the lack of shooting he provides offensively just makes them easier to defend, um, easier to play Brooke Lopez for sure. Yep. Tonight we only see 20 minutes from Brooke and Giannis and Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, huge bounce back game. He did not, he was not without mistakes tonight defensively. He's not nope. without his mistakes offensively, 414, but got to the line a bunch. 14 points, what, 16 rebounds, 15 rebounds, seven yeah. offensive rebounds. I think he had more offensive rebounds than the Celtics had on their own. Um, but the Bucks, you know, Giannis was just able to basically put them on his back and keep mm-hmm. them in that game. It What it was 50, I think it was 40 to 38. The Celtics go on an 11-0 run. It's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Halftime, yeah. this, this could get out of hand. And Giannis, it deserves to be said really quick. Like Al Horford defended him pretty well in the first half. Like there were a number of field goal attempts that Giannis took where Al Horford, like I'm not gonna say he bothered the shot, but like he was the closest defender, and Horford's been locked in as the primary defender on Giannis and Kumbo. And the first half was like Giannis still got his points, he still got to his spots, but he didn't like completely obliterate Boston inside like he does for so many other teams. So like even had to, at halftime. He had to be great to to get. Yes. I think he had 19, and he really had to have his A game. Yeah. Because Al Horford isn't gonna just give up, you know, blowbys and whatever. And Grant Williams is out there a bunch as well. And I think Grant's yeah. actually probably the tougher matchup for Giannis, just because he moves a little better laterally. Um, yeah. It was clear that Giannis wanted to attack Al if he had the choice between the two. Just a bit of that quickness advantage. We saw a couple times just too quick. He had that one where he went left and just went up for a lefty dunk. I mean. Just, just kind of underscoring, you know, Giannis just physically and just from an attack perspective, just on another level. And Horford, 0 for 2 on threes tonight. Mm-hmm. 
where are the basketball gods? Thanks. Thanks. You finally got a little bit of, you know, meaner Thank version you. a little bit. Um, obviously, Giannis, Giannis, it's, it's nice to see that Giannis is actually better than Al Horford, you know, have a, a, a reiteration of that. That was nice after the way Al Horford played the last couple of games. Um, but Giannis just worked so hard to get them back in the game at halftime. I think what down seven, I think at halftime. Um, and in the third, again, he's just going to work. He has another 10 points in the third quarter. Again, the Bucks just, eh, just offensively, again, just felt like a grind. Drew hit a couple of early ju- shots, hit a three early. It felt like, ooh, is it going to be a good Drew Holiday game? And then eh, kind of offensively kind of started to go a little sideways. Jason Tatum was getting some shots, mm-hmm. but he was missing a lot of shots. He was, what, two for 11 from three. And again, it, it was interesting because it felt like the Celtics – had the most success that I can recall attacking the drop defense tonight. We didn't see mm-hmm. a ton of Brooke Lopez, but it felt like the Celtics were really good at attacking, especially Grayson Allen. But it, just in general, getting downhill, getting a Bucks defender on their hip, and creating that two-on-one down low and getting layups. I mean, Daniel Tice was five out of five. <laughs> like, you know, the Celtics outscore the Bucks 50 to 44 in the paint. They outscore them 15 to seven in transition. You tell us those stats before the game, you know, call it, right? What, what are the odds the Bucks are overcoming that? But I think that is where, again, a couple things. The small ball, I think, worked in the Bucks' favor because the offensive rebounding was a huge factor all night. Mm-hmm. Bucks were at 35% offensive rebound rate. Celtics were at 13%. So even though the Bucks maybe played a bit smaller, they did not get toasted on the glass on the defensive yeah. side, they didn't give up second, those second chance, and they were able to get reloads and second chances. Weren't always good at finishing second chances, but they were able to get those on the other side, um, again, to kind of keep them going. Because the Celtics shot over 50% tonight, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. Celtics, like, you look at the, the numbers they put in, up in aggregate, they only had 10 turnovers. Um, they didn't shoot great from three, but they were. I think they were 0 for 3 in the corners. So the Bucks took away kind of the easy threes, a lot of kind of threes from up top. And again, going into the fourth quarter, Giannis had that little rest at the end of the third, uh, kind of struggling to stay in it. They're nine, down nine going into the fourth. And it just felt like it was, again, you know, Boston's just felt like the stronger finishing team, not just against the Bucks, but they were that team that just felt inevitable against the Nets as well. Thankfully, mm-hmm. the Bucks are a little bit better team than the Brooklyn Nets. And Love I it. thought the, the big key... I felt like there were two. There were there were periods in this game it felt too long. It just felt like too many times I was looking on the floor and I was seeing Grayson Allen and Bobby together, or Grayson Allen and Bobby and George Hill. Who George Hill actually had some really good defensive moments tonight. But when he's like switched on to Jason Tatum, that's just a really big dude, you know. Like yeah, Javon Carter's not stopping Jason Tatum either, you know. And it just was really hard, and I felt like. The Celtics did a really nice job manipulating the Bucks with switch the what you know basically forcing them to either play the drop, forcing them to time switch, hedge, get into positions where they were able to dictate matchups. And finally, obviously the threes started to fall. They make nine of their last thirteen. Wes Matthews hit big threes. Pat Connaughton mm-hmm. big threes. Drew Holiday big threes. We mentioned Giannis hitting big threes. Um, but really what kind of like the group that really closes out and that you finally felt like, okay, this is the group that I think we're going to go with Giannis and Bobby together. So not like a true, really small lineup, right? It wasn't just Giannis by himself with mm-hmm. four wings, but Giannis, Bobby, Wes, Drew, and Pat Connaughton. That felt like it had to be the group tonight because like everybody else had too many weaknesses, either defensively or offensively. 
Yeah. And it's not like they just totally shut the Celtics down, down the stretch, but they just did enough and they made shots and they were relentless. And even with mistakes, right? Think about that Giannis offensive foul on smart late, pretty late in the game. Think about Bobby catching that nice pass. Maybe it was from Pat. I can't remember who. And he just blows that layup and it just feels like, mm-hmm. oh man, guys, you just don't have this many, <laughs> this many, you know, this many mistakes that you're going to be able to overcome and still again, down the stretch, Giannis, you said, you said Giannis hits the three to make it 105, 102 from top of the key, Stan Van Gundy asking all series long, why is he shooting any threes? Again, I get it, but I love the fact yeah, that Giannis gets to do that. He gets I, to do that because he's Giannis, but also, ugh. I mean, I, and again, honestly, he's been pretty good at catch and shoots all year. Um, so that three in particular, like no hesitation, catch and shoot open three, probably feel okay about that one mm-hmm. relative to early clock, you know, ego shots or whatever, like, oh, I'm just going to put, put up a pull up. Uh, and then Drew comes back and hits a three shortly thereafter to tie it. The Celtics go back up ahead. Bobby fouls, Jason Tatum, decent call. You know, the, it was the mm-hmm. right call. And then Giannis attacking twice draws fouls and hits the first free throw. And I got to say, I don't know why, well, you know, Giannis has to have the highest expected value off a missed second free throw of like anyone in the league. They hit a three. <laughs> they hit a three. I think early. I don't know if it was was it Drew's three. I think somebody hit a three off of a missed um, when he hit, missed two free throws earlier in the game. Yeah, and, I don't remember that one. And then Bobby, you know, two Celtics, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, fighting over a rebound, right? Yeah. Bobby Portis, Johnny on the spot. He'd missed a bunch of shots around the basket. Uh, almost. Almost missed that little banker. You can look, watch the guys on the sideline as it's like bouncing around. They're like, <laughs> thankfully it drops and they go up. And again, the true Drew Holiday plays to come over on the help. Marcus Smart has been so good, had been so good the last two games. He yep. had outplayed Drew Holiday the last two games. He had sunned, I don't know how many Bucks defenders just driving into the paint in that game four win. It sucked. <laughs> He hit some big threes these past two games, but when it mattered the most, you know, Drew Holiday takes that matchup personally with the defensive player of the year stuff. I I think it's safe to say there's a little bit there. He hit a big pull up on smart earlier in the fourth, which I thought was a bit of a, like uh, Drew, like that's, that's a bit of an ego shot, but he drained it. And then to come over on the help with Pat Connaughton on smart, come up with the block to catch it, save it. And then throw it off smart. Incredible. Incredible play. Like, you I mean, could script that and give it 100 takes in a controlled environment. You <laughs> might be able to pull it off, like, twice doing it like that. It was to, 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 ha- to the presence of mind and the balance to be able to go up right when Marcus Smart goes up for his shot after he got in decent position on Pat Content. Content forced a baseline. And, you know, then when, when Smart had, had gotten an angle, like, he, okay, you know, put his hands on the ball, gather up for the shot, and Holiday was in the air to snatch it, essentially, land in bounds, take a dribble, jump. I think he was trying to, to jump pass it to Giannis in order to retain possession. Oh, no, Marcus Smart's in the way. I'm not going to be able to make that pass. Well, let me just aim it four feet lower and get it off of his thigh and make it go out of bounds completely clean, completely legit, just just took the Celtics' best chance at scoring on that possession 
and just took it away. Very, very similar to the way they took that possession against the Suns in last year's finals when Devin Booker you know, is dribbling across the lane and goes into that spin. Holiday oh, just took the ball then, and he just took the ball. And that was the first time, ladies and gentlemen, that he took the ball away from Marcus Smart. Because after getting possession back and the Bucks took timeout, they advanced the ball, they inbounded to Pat Connaughton, which was very close to five seconds. Yes. I think it was on the right side, but it was it was real close. I'm I'm a little uh, surprised Pat- that I'm a little surprised. I'm I'm it's it's refreshing to have a close game that doesn't feel like it's being litigated via Twitter for bad for calls sure. like game three was. Um yep. but yeah, the I feel like half of the Bucks inbounds are like almost five second violations. And thankfully, it takes Giannis, a while. Thankfully, Giannis gets it into Pat. And I mean, local boy makes good again. Pat Connaughton loves playing in Boston and he was perfect free throws. Tonight. Perfect yeah. free throws to to push the, the lead from one to three, which is a great place to be. And so then Boston and takes no the timeouts ball and no timeouts. No timeouts. Yeah. Can't advance it. So they got it. So smart inbounds it to Horford. Runs up, Horford quickly gives it back to Smart, starts dribbling up the left rail. And it, like Drew just times it perfectly, just shoots in and takes the ball away again. And honestly, I think the last tiny bit of insult was Drew just dribbling off the clock at the other end of the court while Marcus Smart was pleading his case to the officials. Like he's not going to go up for a, a late layup or a dunk or a show, but like he's just dribbling it out, waiting for the buzzer. And as like all the Bucks benches absolutely on the court while the clock is still running before the final horn sounds. Part of me, and just, part of me wanted him to throw down a dunk just to be like a final. A little bit. Point on it. I feel but like wouldn't be three, true. You're up three. Like it wouldn't have been like a bad, you know, it's not like you're up like 10 and you're dunking. Right. Or whatever. Like, I, it I it wouldn't like be showboating. It, it yeah. would just be protecting the lead. It you're would be it. totally legit. You're into it. You're I'm into sure it. that I'm sure the Celtics would be upset about it. The Celtics are upset about a lot of things tonight. Some of it is, the Bucks' fault. Some of it is the Celtics' fault, and some of them is them being whiny about it. Um, and I don't begrudge that. Like that's a tough way to lose a game. If we can be empathetic for a yeah. second, that's a tough way to lose a game. We, we just shit. did it. We just, we just <laughs> did it. So, I, I don't true. feel that it's empathetic. True. Um, that's true. And and that's and that's really I think the you know like when I think about best Bucks comebacks, um, playoff edition, right? Uh, immediately, the only other one that, that immediately comes to mind is Game Five last year when they were down, I think, thirty-seven twenty-one. But that was early in the game, and then right. the third quarter, the Bucks go up double digits in Phoenix in Game Five. So there wasn't that same. It just had a totally different vibe versus this game early in the fourth quarter. I mean, it felt like it's over, right? It felt like okay, going back home. Like from what we've seen from this Bucks team, yeah, the challenges they've had scoring. You know, were they going to score when they were down 14? Like, were they going to score another 14 points in the entire game, let alone come back from a 14-point deficit and win? That was obviously a big question. And, um, you know, the three-point shooting was, I mean, it, I mean, it's a joke, obviously. Everybody who watches our podcast knows us. I mean, it is the, I, you know, I, I said it's, uh, what I, I don't even remember how I, how I referred to it on Twitter, but, um, but that's like just the recurring or I said it's the recurring sad trombone of the Bucks, uh, Bud era, the Bud era in Milwaukee in the playoffs. Every postseason, every postseason they just underachieve from three point and uh, give the Celtics a ton of credit. I mean, they've defended the three point line really well. They have not, yep. you know, especially since game one, they learned their lesson. They have not been doubling off, um, doubling onto Giannis a ton. They've 
basically sort of dared Giannis to beat them. We'll talk more about him in a second. And, you know, those were not just a bunch of wide open, easy threes that they were hitting tonight. And you just have to give a ton of credit to those guys for hitting threes. Any, any one of those threes, you know, when you're down 10, you don't make them, then you don't get this comeback. Right. And Mm -hmm. that was obviously just absolutely must needed. And I'll, I'll be greedy and say, Hey guys, how about you make a bunch of threes on, on Friday in game six and you freaking give yourself, make your life a little easier than you, than you have. Um, but that probably won't happen either. Um, so yeah, the three point shooting was, was great. Um, and yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see on Friday. Let's talk, let's talk a bit more about Giannis. Um, I mean, you know, especially after game four, with Al Horford having the monster game, all the narrative around, you know, Giannis poking the bear when he picked up the taunting mm-hmm. technical, Horford coming back with the monster fourth quarter. Um, I mean, Al Horford's a like very likable guy. Um, sure. You know, the last two games he put together have been incredible. Like him putting those two games back to back was amazing. Um, and tonight, clearly a much different story in terms of the Bucks uh, being aware of him. Eight points on four out of seven shooting, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, a block, a turnover. I mean, you know, it's a solid Al Horford, a solid late thirties Al Horford night. Yeah, yeah, that's a solid effort from Al Horford. Um, But thankfully, it was not the dominant Al Horford that we saw the other night. Mm -hmm. And Grant Williams, zero for three, didn't score a point in thirty-one minutes. So those two big guys that you know, again, I think the two of them together that is the, the toughest matchup that I can think of Giannis having to play against probably in his career, you know, and especially when you throw in all the the good help defenders around them. Um, but what we saw tonight, I thought it was kind of fitting that he kept bleeding from the eye and they had to, you know, fix up, kept repeatedly having to fix up his eye. This whole series has been an absolute battle. It's felt like a war of attrition. Yeah. I think we've all thought, sometimes hoped that, you know, the longer it goes, the more the advantage would swing to Giannis that, you know, I just think about him as like, you know, the Terminator, like his algorithm learns and, you know. We saw how gassed he was in game four. Like, I didn't think he, I thought he had another, I mean, he's Giannis Adetokounmpo. I'm not going to count him out. I didn't think he had a 40 point game in him tonight, two days after they lost game four in the fashion that they lost it. Like to be able to put up that type of performance within 48 hours after traveling halfway across the continent, because they had to fly from Milwaukee to Boston and, and be able to do the things that he does is just like, I, I, I know you've said it. I've absolutely said it. We could talk, we could do a 20 hour long podcast specifically about this Giannis game. And it still wouldn't come close to what it deserves because we are so spoiled by the excellence that he plays with every time he plays, especially now that he's at the, the, I would say the height of his powers. He's in his athletic prime. He's, he's in his basketball prime. He's surrounded by teammates that compliment him and fit him. And they all seem to get along. Uh, I forget exactly who it is, but somebody's described them as a group of dads and goobers, which is totally true. Like that is spot on. That's how they've done. Um, I think people have called referred to you and I in, in similar terms, Mitchell, but which is which? 
That's the real question. Yes, both. We're I'm both. the goober. Everybody we're knows this. We're I'm both the goober. goobers right. and dads. Uh, <laughs> That's very true. Up dads, yeah. That's fair. Um, it, <sighs> like, like, here's the thing. Like going into Game Five, I I knew it was going to be tough. It was absolutely going to be a tough fight. Maybe the Bucks win. Maybe they don't. If they don't, okay. Game Six. Game Six at home. I feel good about that. But are they going to have the juice without Chris Middleton still? Because there's no indication. Based on most of the reports that I've seen, there's no indication that Chris is going to be ready anytime in this series. So you can't expect him to be back. Maybe that changes. Maybe there is something to the narrative that he might be available sometime soon. I don't think so, but maybe. Like, are they going to have the juice after going through all these bloodbaths, one after the other after the other, to win game seven on the road? That's what they did last year in the Brooklyn series. And that was a that was a turning point for the Bucks as a team, honestly as a franchise. Because I think I remember we talked about it like that missed shot by KD in overtime in Game Seven against Brooklyn. Like that was when I felt like, okay, this feels real now. It didn't feel real before that point. I, I think if there's like three, there's to me there's like three. There were like three real moments from last year's playoffs where like I remember exactly where I was. <laughs> when they happened and the first was game seven against Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I remember being there at my in-laws place in Houston, watching that game, standing up anxiously. And my daughter came over for for the kind of the very end of it. And obviously, you know, I was like holding her and being like, yeah, Giannis, he wins. (laughs) Um, And then the other two being game five. um, And of course, game six. I, I think I remember where I was. I think I was, in Pfizer form, I want to say when that game happened, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I think the, it, it's kind of funny that he scored 11. I think he scored 11 in the, in the fourth quarter. It felt like other guys were finally actually running with him though. You know, it felt like all game mm-hmm. long, he was just dragging the bucks. I think he had maybe like six points in the first quarter, which would have then meant like 13, I think in the second half, second quarter which would have been probably like most of the box points in the second quarter, considering yeah. how bad they were. And then he goes 10 in the third quarter, again, just trying to keep the bucks in it. You know, they go from down seven to down nine going into the fourth quarter. And then he puts up another 11 ironic. I mean, the fact that he scored 11 points in the fourth quarter and six of them run three run three is just like <laughs> kind of the ultimate, like you just, you just never know, right. The sport. No. Um, you just never know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, it, it just figures that even when he misses that second free throw, that Bobby Portis, you know, one of his teammates is Johnny on the spot. I, I thought back to him missing the end one opportunity off the value after Chris Paul pushes him. And then mm-hmm. the Bucks get the offensive rebound and uh, and end up getting two more free throws because of because of that. So, yeah, um, it's it's just it's just crazy how. Um, Again, it, it, last year felt like they were a team of destiny, right? And the the bruising and battered way that they made it through the playoffs um, felt just to me made it more memorable. It made it more meaningful. And obviously, you know, they still have one really difficult game they have to win just to get out of the second round this year. So, you know, yeah. I would say this, like, absolutely enjoy this win. That's why I love podcasting. Like, right, we can enjoy the moment, you know, Again, live, live in the moment like Giannis always tells us to. You're a long way from repeating as NBA champions, but thankfully we've experienced that. And we, hopefully we can all sort of enjoy 
these individual wins and great performances from Giannis. Again, the greatest player any of us are ever going to see in a Bucks uniform. Maybe the greatest player we're going to see in, in, in a bas- on a basketball court, for that matter. It's possible. Um, and it's just been really fun. I and mean, we don't know how this series will end, but it's been fun. It has not been a perfect series from Giannis by any stretch, no. but it has been fun seeing him answer the bell, deliver now two incredible performances. Game one was a different kind of great performance. And again, the possibility of, of winning this series against a team as good as, as Boston without Chris Middleton, you know, would be feather in the cap. feels like it's not doing it justice. Um, (laughs) I, I, you know, and again, just the way he was attacking, I, you know, they obviously I think did a good job trying to get him on the switches, but like, even when he had Horford on him, I mean, he was surgical in the way he was attacking him. Like that play Mm -hmm. where he went left and he smoked by him and threw down that lefty dunk. I mean, again, like, he had seven turnovers tonight. Again, it wasn't perfect. I think the four of those were in the first quarter. Um, and then a couple of more offensive fouls. So he, he definitely cleaned up things as, as the game went on. But um, but this was just another one of those performances. You know, Bill Simmons was talking about Giannis as like the guy you had to get through to win championship these days. Like he mm-hmm. sort of inherited that title from LeBron. And I think that's an interesting kind of reference point for thinking about that. Like, you know, if the Celtics win a championship, they're going to have to go through Giannis. And for them, that would make right. it more meaningful. Um, and I, I just think it's, I mean, he's that guy, right? Yep. He's that guy. And um, for him to deliver another game like this, as fans, we just have to sit back and just savor it, you know? Listen to these podcasts, yeah. talk to your friends about it, rewatch it tomorrow, you know, only one day off. Maybe rewatch, you know, it on DVR just to fully appreciate yeah, at it. Least, at least the fourth quarter. At least the yeah. fourth, to see how bleak it was. And to see where it ended it's up. Almost, it's almost fun watching the whole game because, like, they were fighting uphill all game. So just knowing yeah. that they're going to come back at it, I feel like, yeah, it's going to probably makes it, makes it yeah. pretty fun. It's funny that you mentioned the LeBron corollary as, like, the guy to get through. Because if you zoom out a little bit, it, that kind of has been the case in a way. Like, no, he, he wasn't proven until last year because last year was when the team finally broke through, got to the finals, and won the finals. But 2019, the Raptors got through him and the Raptors won the finals. 2020 in the bubble, the Heat got through him, and 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 there was a lot of other stuff going on there. But and the Heat earned that series win, but they got to the finals. 2021, Bucks nobody gets through them. Bucks get to the finals, they win. Here we are in 2022. Like the Celtics are a potent threat to take the Bucks spot in the Eastern Conference Finals, possibly the NBA Finals, possibly to win the title, depending on what happens out west. Or you know, th- you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more to be played. But with a game like tonight. It's like, like Giannis's legacy is secure. Like there's already tons of people that are talking about like where he falls all time, all time as a player. And he's what, 27? And this game, this performance, this comeback victory in this type of environment is just another cementing of his legacy when he's, I don't even know if he's at the halfway point. Well, no, that's probably being hyperbolic. Like he's probably past the halfway point of his overall career, but like with so much more time ahead of him and he's still doing this because he still is grinding to prove himself every possession. Like not, not to take too big of a, a, a left turn here, but the, uh, the Disney movie trailer for rise came out and, and, and I am not going to talk about the movie at all. I'll definitely go see it because I'm a sucker. 
but like he's still that same person that he was growing up in Greece. Like he still is willing to scrap and claw and fight for everything that he wants to accomplish. And on the basketball court, like that's precisely what he's doing. And I think that rubs off on Bobby Portis, who comes up with the huge rebound on Drew Holiday, who's already a, a great defender to like those back-to-back the, the block and the steal on Marcus Smart back to back in that situation of this game, it, like I I think that that really does, on some level, come back to Giannis and the level of fight that he he puts out there, just all the time. I don't think this team ever believed that they were destined to lose this game. I think a number of fans thought that. I don't think that this team ever thought that they were going to lose this game, and they just looked at whatever the situation was. And said, like, okay, in order to win, this is what has to happen. And then they just kind of did it. Yeah. You I know? That, and that's think, it's remarkable. I, I think it's been an interesting season because we've actually seen a number of like big comebacks in the regular season, which, you know, that was something we really didn't see, like the peak bucks of the bubble year, right? When they were that was like their best regular season. They were winning by so much like, they didn't really even have like the need to do it very much but it felt like when they got down it was just like oh they're not coming back like in the fourth quarter right i was like ah this one's just out of out of reach this year i mean the first game that comes to mind is christmas day against the boston celtics right down double digits with whatever it was five six minutes left they string together um you know a great close to that game largely going small doing a bunch of switching you know that to me was kind of the west matthews coming out party at least yeah. this version of the west matthews uh you know experience in milwaukee Giannis just monstrous, making huge defensive plays. And think back to like the game against Miami, right? When they had that tough stretch of games and it was a similar story where they were up double, they're down double digits with whatever it was, five, six minutes left, I think. And they come back and Drew Holiday, you know, hits that banker to to win it. They've shown, I think, the resiliency this year has been really impressive. Again, like the regular Mm -hmm. season, did they take it as seriously? No. Um, But Again, the, the way that they would defend in fourth quarters, some of those comebacks, I think, were indicative of what, you know, we've now seen with more regularity in the playoffs. And, um, you know, please, Bucks, just just make it a wire-to-wire win on Friday. Like, can we just not, like, go for the drama? Can we not, like, I'll tell you what. lead and then blow it in the fourth or have <laughs> it come back? And, like, that would just be nice to, to just win a normal, like, game um maybe have boston shoot horribly and you guys make a bunch of threes again that would be nice i would i would be it'd be great i'll tell you this frank i don't like to broadcast this because i don't like this kind of attention i turned 35 on friday game six is on friday at home i see no reason like i've asked very little of this franchise over the years so like it would be nice if maybe for my birthday you know, just go out and just grind this one into the dust and just leave Boston behind and just, and just, you know, blow them out in game six at home. Bucks in six chance left and right, yes. all across, coast to coast, all I mean, across the world. It, it would be nice to fulfill the prophecy again um, of Bucks in six. Um, I, I do think it'll be interesting because it did feel like, you know, I mean, the offensive ratings tonight, 118 for the Bucks. 118, what, what is this? You know, Did not I, feel that I, high. Am I seeing things? Yeah, I know. It really didn't. Um, this was a really slow game. 
115 for the Celtics. Um, you know, Bucks 54% true shooting. That's slightly below average. Boston 60%. Mm-hmm. So really, again, mm-hmm. and it wasn't turnovers. Bucks had more turnovers. It really was the offensive rebounding that was the big, big difference tonight. Bucks had 10 more shot attempts from the field. Free throws, they had six more free throw attempts, plus two in, or plus four in terms of make. So a little bit of an advantage there. But, you know, this this felt a little more old school bucks like last year where we, we saw them use their size just to create a math advantage, not through like shot location so much as just volume of shots, just yep. getting more shots than the other team. And then obviously, you know, three-point shooting, you, you can't under, underestimate that. I think there's work that the bucks can absolutely do to kind of clean up some of the things we saw. I think very curious to see if, I mean, it sounds like there's a good chance Robert Williams comes back on Friday, um, which honestly, again, I'm interested he's, in that. He's a good player, but I, yes, honestly, I think that could, could potentially help at least in terms of help the bucks be a bit better defensively. But then again, mm-hmm. maybe that, you know, hurts them offensively. Right. I think that's generally been the theme of, of the playoffs for the Celtics. They've been, way better offensive. They were like plus 18 uh, points in terms of better with Robert Williams on the bench offensively, but then defensively they give back like, you know, they're like 12 points per 100 worse with, with Robert Williams not playing. Um, so I'm sure they want to get him healthy, obviously, but, sure. uh, but it does change the game a little bit. And that's, what's been really interesting about this series. Like it feels like after like game three, you should have kind of like seen all the adjustments that you're probably going to see. So it's been really interesting that in no small part due to that injury, we've seen these last two games, you know, swing so wildly and some of these comebacks be to me driven largely by the fact that these teams have been able to play, you know, a little bit smaller and mm-hmm. not play kind of like their traditional centers. Again, like, you know, if you're playing Al Horford and Grant Williams late, like, I mean, you're not like small, small you're not like really small. Um, no, no, yeah. And Bobby and, and Giannis, I mean, that you're not small, small. Um, but I think you do have a bit more mobility. And honestly, I, I like by by the end they were just switching Bobby because some of the hedging he was doing continues to just baffle me at how bad it, it, it was. The, it was the right call. It was yeah. the right call as the game moved on. Like having having Bobby drop is generally like not the best plan. Yeah, they did it like twice and it actually worked okay. But to me, like the the switching was probably your best bet because I don't you know right. I don't know that there's that many guys on on the Celtics where it's like you know I feel like you're just gonna it's it's not like Chris Paul. You know, it's not like Chris right, Paul exactly. quite like, um, so again, any, anything else, anybody we haven't talked about that bears mentioning any other observations, takes emotional, uh, things that you wanted to add? Uh, I mean, it's, it is interesting that, that Bud stuck with the same eight guys that he's stuck with, you know, like decreasing Brooks minutes and, and, you know, giving a bunch of them to Bobby was probably the right call. Um, the Portis Giannis combination, I think, offers Milwaukee a ton more functional size on both ends of the court um, because Bobby can still space the floor. Bobby spaces the floor a lot better than Brooks spaces the floor just because Bobby's a higher volume and a higher accuracy shooter from deep. Um, it's it's curious that that Brook has not. I feel like his three point shot has like become very much an afterthought uh, since which, he came back. Which is back. okay. I'm, I'm fine with like, that. Like I'm fine he, with he that. He started to shift away from it last year, which I think was a good thing. And tonight, like the the first one he shot was just like a like, oh wow, like I'm just gonna force one up even though I'm covered just because I haven't shot one seemingly like all series. But yeah. um yeah, that that'll be worth watching. And I think again a lot of Brooks' role probably is gonna vary depending on if Robert Williams plays. 
Yeah, and when, when it comes to the the backcourt, um, Grayson Allen had sneakily had the second most assists for Milwaukee tonight. Five assists for Grayson Allen. A, a little, some of it in the pick and roll. It wasn't, let's say, aesthetically pleasing to watch. But he either he had a couple of passes to Giannis that ended up in buckets, which is always a good thing. Um, a lot of people are going to fix it on George Hill playing 12 minutes was a minus 15 on the night. Like single game plus minus doesn't really matter that much, but like Hill just hasn't been the George Hill that we expect the one that we grew accustomed to. And like, he's really old and he's all sorts of banged up. Like he's not a hundred percent. He's just not a hundred percent. And he's still the option to go out there. I get that a lot of people want Javon Carter to get those minutes instead because of like, like because it wasn't some of what the numbers say, the on-off numbers for Carter that favor him over a ton of people, not just George Hill. Um, I don't know. I think I think that Hill is still like he offers that kind of connective tissue that the Bucks desperately need right now because they don't have Chris. Like Chris, Chris is a hub of this team that when you don't have like the, the systems on both sides of the court, but particularly on offense are like stressed to their maximum level to the point of almost collapsing. The offense collapsed in the fourth quarter of game four. They couldn't keep up with Boston and Boston got hot and scored 43 damn points. And that's how they ended up giving away game four. Um, so without Middleton available, you, you need somebody that's going to be able to do those connecting things. George Hill does a lot of that. Yeah, I mean... Grayson Allen is doing a little bit of it. I don't know how much you can really rely on that in game six, but they're going to have... I mean, unless there's a miracle with Chris's MCL, they're going to have to try. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, there's some magic in George Hill's game right now. Um I think the problem is like he's being put in a lot of spots where he ends up having to defend Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum in particular. Yeah. And that's not like a Javon Carter. That's not a problem that Javon Carter solves. Um, no. I think, I think the bucks do have things that they can clean up as far as the rotations to avoid having, you know, like George and Grayson and Bobby playing together. Cause to me, like that's just not enough size. Grayson's just not strong enough defensively and George, you know, again, even on a good night, like, you know, he's going to have his moments defensively, but you don't have, you know, the Celtics just are a tough team for, for George or Javon Carter, honestly, to match up with because I mean, Marcus smarts, like, you know, the smallest guy who plays a lot of minutes, Derek White's six, five Peyton Pritchard mm-hmm. ha- hasn't been playing a whole lot. He's the other obvious guy you can kind of hide on, but um, you know, the Celtics were going in a lot of, um, a lot of actions that that tried to find those smaller guys for switches, you know, Spain pick and roll stuff like that. So yeah. it, it's just hard. Um, again, like if you could play six dudes, right? <laughs> Basically, the starters plus, um, or sorry, you know, swap Grayson Allen for Pat Connaughton and just Bobby Portis, right? If you could just play six guys, like okay, that would probably be the ideal. Um, but it's you just can't tax these dudes that way. Thankfully, Giannis no. held up tonight. We saw, obviously, as you've mentioned, he was totally gassed at the end of the last game. Um, but here's the other thing: as much as the Celtics are, you know, have have made life difficult on Giannis, 
I mean, he, he made the comment to our friend Eric Name, I think, after two years ago when they, when, or, yeah, two year first year of the Bud Air when they beat the Celtics. I remember this one, yeah. And, you know, something about, you know, Giannis and physicality of, you know, playing against Horford or whatever. And he made a comment of like, yeah, but I bet they're feeling it, you know, just, something effective, like just as much or more, right? And, yeah. I mean, Al Horford, Grant Williams in particular, I mean, Jalen Brown has been, I mean, he's, Giannis picked on Jalen Brown all series as well mm-hmm. those guys when this series is over i mean those guys you know are probably gonna spend about a week in an ice bath um after having to just bang with Giannis for yeah. however many games it ends up being six or seven games so yeah um, one more quick observation real quick wes matthews plays nearly 37 minutes zero fouls I know that's impressive. Im- that's impressive. He's he's had some games like that where he just like you know like when he was guarding KD in the regular season, he had a game where he had like one or zero fouls. I mean, mm-hmm. to 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 I mean that this is some this is what's really hard about being you know that high level defender is like how do you find that line of physicality and working your ass off and not just committing a ton of fouls, right? PJ PJ committed a ton of fouls. Last he did. Year. Um, and Wes again, I'm not gonna say he's like oh he's just clearly better than PJ, but um, but obviously he, he, again, just played a really solid game tonight. And one other comment to just on, on Drew, um, I feel like we probably haven't talked enough about Drew, but, um, he came out looking to the Bucks. I, I'd be curious, you know, I don't have the, the, the data on this, but I'd be curious how much the Bucks ran tonight off of makes relative to previous, uh, games, because it felt like they really tried to get into offense early. We saw Drew throw like early passes up the floor. You know, Giannis, though Chris and Drew will frequently look for, but we saw them really trying to kind of get early offense before the Celtics were set. He had a pass like early in a clock, like I, I forget who who it beat, but he hit Grayson Allen like blindly um, on like a thirty foot pass under the basket, where the Celtics defender like had no idea what happened. Um, he also had a, I think both of his turnovers came off of those types of plays as well. Um, but, you know, again, not a big night in transition, only seven points officially. But uh, if you look at the cleaning the glass stats, they show, paint a nicer picture of the transition game for the Bucks tonight. Um, again, I think this is just going to be, I mean, this has been the story all series. Like, can the Bucks manufacture enough offense? Can Drew and Giannis create enough offense? And can those other guys just hit some damn shots? And um, didn't look like for three quarters it was going to happen. We got... The a fourth quarter for the ages from the Bucks though, and they go up three two to take the all important game five and head home to Milwaukee with a chance to close it out on Friday. No jinxes. I'm knocking on wood, doing all those things. Um, why don't we put a bow on it there? We've talked for a while, Mitchell, but I think there's some games that just merit talking a while. <laughs> this, this is one of them. This absolutely felt like one of them. Um, shout out to a friend of the pod, CJ. He was at the game tonight. Um, I was texting with him. He had a picture of himself after the game, smiling his smile, uh, his knowing smile after the game uh, from the floor. Um, so hopefully uh, hopefully there were some Bucks fans in the building tonight that got to enjoy uh, just a, uh, a huge, huge win. I, I thought after game one, I thought they're probably going to need to win one more game on the road if they're going to win the series. <laughs> Because it feel like just the Celtics just feel like they're too good to, to not take at least one at home, and mm-hmm. obviously would have been nice to win Game Four at home uh, and and be able to only need that one road win 
thankfully they bounce back from that loss, get the road win tonight. We'll see what happens on Friday. But in the meantime, just one more. Yep. Just one more. Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you were going for the. I have just one more comment because that's what I. Always oh do. no! I, it was more. I more Kane. Uh, that's what I always do to Kane. My bad. Um, it was the whole profound like just no, one more game no, just yeah, to get to the conference yeah, finals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think um, I may have botched it. I'm sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> it's so late. Everybody who's with us is just enjoying the vibes. And speaking of vibes, um, we didn't hear it because we just started recording. But I'm going to use a new version of our theme song that our good friend Danny Schmitz put together. Um, it took forever. Danny put in time and work on this. It took forever to get, a, I don't, I still don't know if we really have approval because it's like longer than all the normal intros in the lockdown network, but you know what? Screw it. I don't do I even, I'm, I'm just, I'm just the, you know, I'm just Frank. I Kane, Kane's the, you, you make the call, Frank. I'll, I'll, I'll Kane, co-sign. Kane's the responsible one. I'm the like, you know, who cares type type guy. Um, I'm going to throw it in at the front tonight. Um, it will, on a night like this, it feels appropriate to call back to, uh, let's just say there's some callbacks to some memorable moments from, uh, from last year, not from tonight. Okay. There's not, sure. we don't have any, we don't have any stuff from tonight, but, um, but, uh, shout out to, shout out, actually shout out to the bucks for letting us get some rights clearances <laughs> to use some of the calls in there, a little, little some stuff Excellent. That hopefully you guys enjoyed, but, um, have a great night, 48 minutes of, um, you know, they say 48 minutes of hell. That was the old uh, Arkansas Razorbacks thing. This was 48 minutes of absolute bliss talking about a massive <laughs> win with you, Mitchell. Hope everybody has a great Thursday. Hope everybody has a great Friday. And fingers crossed that the next time I talk to you guys, we will have had a great Friday night as well. Famous last words from Mitchell. I'm Frank. This has been Locked on Bucks.